In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual. And Cinda Virtual brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. But we don't just bring you thought leaders from all over the world. We also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. Now, listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we're on every major podcast platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify. Just put in Leadership Beyond Borders and you will find us. I also invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or go to the website leadershipbeyondborders.net. So if you want to hear about leadership, then please join us every Tuesday. And if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us for this series. Now, on to today's uh, podcast. Now, the global pandemic changed the focus of work. We all know that. I mean, before the pandemic, about 6% of us worked from home. In May 2020, it went up to 35% of the workforce reporting from home. And today it's over 38, closer to 40. But there still is a surprising statistics that 44% of companies do not allow remote work. So the question is, you know, what is the future going to look like? We know where we are today, but what's the future going to look like? Now, we define the future of work, but there are many forces of change affecting the future of work, and especially three dimensions. The work, what we do, the workforce, who we are, and the workplace where we work. In this episode today, we're gonna focus on the benefits and challenges of remote workforces and how we can manage them better. Our guest today is Tamara Sanderson, and she's the co-author of the book, Remote Works, Managing for Freedom, Flexibility, and Focus, the ultimate playbook for managing remote teams. And this great book is available on Amazon. Now, Tamara is the co-founder of Remote Works, an organizational design and consulting firm with a mission to liberate teams from the nine to five and teach them how to do their best work from anywhere. Along with Allie Green, Sanderson has spent two decades in distributed workplaces. Green as the former director of people operations at DuckDuckGo and Sanderson as the director of strategic partnerships and corporate development at Automatic. Throughout their joint career history, they've worked in various environments, including big tech at Google, 
startups, Oyster and Living Social, creative agencies, IDO and Undertone, and management consulting and private equity firms. So, Tamara, Tam, I'm going to call you Tam if that's okay. That's what we talked about. So, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. This is one of my favorite topics. So, thank you. what what you know you've been what pushed you to now really go into this field and write this book okay um was it just your experience or did the pandemic kind of push you over the edge how did you make this your your passion yeah um so i was a remote worker before i even knew it had a name uh, my <laughs> first job out of university in 2006 was in management consulting And I was immediately kind of flown to client sites around the world. And so I was staffed in El Salvador and in Switzerland and England, uh, Canada, different places like that. And so I just thought that that was the way work was, that you weren't always (laughs) co-located with your colleagues. Um, I was barely back at my home office. Within six months, I was given a BlackBerry. And so I had that kind of digital leash very quickly. And so... (laughs) I just assumed that's how work was. And then I worked at very kind of tech forward companies, obviously Google being a tech company. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it was just kind of a part of my natural DNA. I never assumed you had to live in one place and go to the office at exactly the same time every day as your colleagues. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually worked for an all, like the most prominent all remote company before the pandemic called Automatic. And so Automatic is actually a holding company for WordPress, Tumblr, WooCommerce, there's about Mm -hmm. 2,000 employees worldwide. And when I joined Automatic, I was like, oh, whoa, this works totally different than like even (laughs) these other companies where I felt quite liberated, right? And I was like, oh, this is a totally different world. So I had all these remote working skills. I was a digital nomad at the time, so I was traveling around and I was like, oh, this is very cool. Um, but before the pandemic, I joined uh, a creative agency because I really wanted to get more into the creative fields. Obviously, I wrote a book, um, which means that I am a kind of a creative at heart. Mm-hmm. And so I was at kind of a more normal, like nine to five company before the pandemic. And then six months in, we're all kind of ushered back to our homes. People are like, oh, it'll be two weeks. <laughs> it'll be like one <laughs> I ran into like a colleague that was like really furiously grabbing frozen food at Whole Foods, actually. <laughs> and I didn't actually think it was a skill set because, as I mentioned, it was just kind of my norm, you know, for the last 15, 17 years I had been working. And then I saw even at incredibly creative and innovative companies that people were just kind of copying and pasting the way that we were working at an office to Mm -hmm. work remotely. And that makes sense. We're, We're in the middle of like a global crisis. You have like half a day to like move your entire company to a new location called their houses. It's like, obviously it's like, in, it's crazy, like what was happening. Um, but I realized that I thought I actually had a platform to talk on what remote work can look like when it's done really, really well and intentionally. And mm-hmm. so I was talking to my friend, Allie Green. We had actually met in a really cute, meet cute way in Cape Town in 2017. We had colleagues at our representative companies that were married and they lived in Uruguay and they're like, Hey, we hear you're going to both be in Cape Town. So it's a very kind of international (laughs) meeting, but we had a lot in common and we were running remote working kind of nomad communities, both in Belgrade and Mexico city together. And we were just talking during the pandemic and we were kind of just, uh, being on our high horses a little bit. We're like, Oh my gosh, everybody's doing it wrong. This prototype's going to go poorly. Rah, rah, rah. (laughs) 
Um, but I tend to be a very proactive person and I love a project. So I was like, Allie, we just need to write a book. This is what we need to do. Um, of course, you know, it's much easier to say, let's write a book than to actually write it. So two years later, <laughs> it just came out in February. Um, but it was a really fun process because I got to put a lot of my thinking on remote and really through writing, you really understand mm-hmm. what you're thinking. And so I got yeah. to understand more about like why I'm so passionate about this, how you can make it work. You know, um, and I also wanted to give like very proactive advice that anybody can use. And so our book is focused on the everyday manager. So mm-hmm. even if your company at the, like the higher ups that be, if they still are kind of, you know, somersaulting between all different types of way of working. If you are a manager of a team of 10, a team of 50, a team of five, maybe it's just you and you're a freelancer, you can use the concepts in our book to start working really well within your, your area or your focus of control. Mm-hmm. Um, And so that's really what I wanted to do was say, hey, you can actually make this work. You don't have to wait on somebody else to make it work for you. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you about some of those tips that you have. But I I have a question uh, because, you know, you are really a digital nomad. I mean, you started in 2006. You know, some of us like my age were in the 90s. Okay, you know, um, uh, a little bit earlier. Okay. And um, you start your book, you know, and you, you talked about companies struggling and trying to copy and paste, okay, which is really what happened in, in 2019 when everybody got sent home. Um, but you start your book off talking about, you know, that you really need to have a remote set of mind, okay? And and um, what, what do you think, do you think the actual push in 2019 pushed people into having that remote set of mind or were they still a little bit confused and just say, okay, it's copy paste at at home. What do you think happened then? Yeah. So I don't think, honestly, we've had the technology to work remotely for a while. Mm -hmm. I actually talked to my dad in the eighties and when he read my book, he was like, Hey, Tam, I think I was a remote worker before you. I was definitely a remote worker in the 80s. And Mm -hmm. so he had like transferred from Chicago to Dallas and he was doing a regional sales job. And he said that in general, he was like talking on the phone to people. And that was what he was doing. He was like the only Mm -hmm. person in his organization located and he was working part-time at home. And so we've had the capacity to work remotely. I actually talked to somebody um, that used to be very senior at Accenture, and she was mentioning that they were working remotely quite early. Yahoo was before they were brought back into the office. So people have had the capacity to work remotely, but I, but we haven't really caught up with the technology because it's been around for decades, mm-hmm. but we're still working in a fashion that makes you think you have to be in person in the office nine to five to be together. And so really what we're thinking is this remote state of mind, so much about remote work. It's not just the technology because we've had that. A lot of it is the behavior change. And that Mm -hmm. is the hardest part because humans, behavior, really hard change, so much of stuff. I'm actually a fellow in psychoanalysis. And so Mm -hmm. I know that there's so much below the surface. If you think about like an iceberg, there's a lot of unconscious going on. And so really this is start a remote state of mind. is just kind of challenging the status quo. Like, why do we do it that way? It's really asking why, 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 Mm -hmm. why, why, um, -hmm. not to be annoying, not to be disruptive, but to actually come towards a better solution that makes life more sustainable mm-hmm. for your employees and your coworkers. And how can we do our best work without 
some of the stress and the unnecessary constraints that we've had before. And so to help people guide this, we use a journalistic framework called the five W's and one H. And that's the who, what, when, where, why, and how. And if you just start asking those questions, we think it's really important for people to have at least one. If, if you are going to start working remotely or your team is, you need to have at least one thing that you're like, ah, I really want remote work to work because it's really important that I work with people in different countries. I love the access to different ways of thinking. Uh, so for example, we're talking in different countries right now. So this is a good example mm-hmm. of that. Or let's say uh, the when is really important and imagine that you really, really want to be able to pick up your kids from school and that is very important for you. And so by being able to, you know, take off from like 4 to 5.30 p.m., pick up your kids, bring them home, maybe have a snack with them. If that's like a ritual you really want to have for your family, maybe the when is really important because you're getting to choose a bit more of a non-linear workday so that you can prioritize things that really matter mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. And that's really what we think with a remote state of mind is just, you know, start cluing into what remote can actually allow you to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's great. And it comes, um, I have one question before the break, okay? Because that's kind of from from the employees. So I'm looking at, you know, how, why, you know, um, I, I have also been, doing remote work for a very, really long time and didn't know it, kind of similar to your dad, okay, you know, and, um, and but but then the companies, companies struggle. I mean, we're struggling now with new organizations and before it was about control, okay? And so for me, it, looking at it from the company point of view, going to that remote state of mind probably means for a lot of these, I'd say legacy companies, releasing control. <laughs> yes. Is that, yeah, is that what you see? A hundred percent. You just, I, that's actually usually my answer. Me to it. What I would say though, is control is really natural. So I've done a lot of, um, I'm actually going to Harvard Divinity School in the fall. And so I'm really interested in different wisdom traditions. But if you look at like Buddhism, everything is about control and attachment. And so that's actually one of the four noble truths. So the desire to have control over things that are uncontrollable is <laughs> incredibly natural and very normal and has been around for a long time. And Buddha talked a lot about it as well as other kind of religious figures. It's in all kind of wisdom traditions of so much that is outside of our control. So yes, I understand it. Um, I guess when I think of organizations is that this isn't going to go away. We let a genie Mm -hmm. out of the bottle. It was already happening even if you were in person. So I worked at Google for six and a half years and it was very much like let's extend college and let's make our campuses look like universities, right? So there's bikes and people were juggling and it was really fun and we had free food, all those things. So it was a very much an in-person culture, but because technology was so key. You know, we worked within our product all the time. So we we're dog fooding Google Docs mm-hmm. and Gmail and all that. But we also had this thing called GVC, which were video conference units. Um, and so I was often when I was specifically when I worked in Singapore and I had an APAC role, I was always on kind of video screens talking to people in India or in Korea and things of that sort. And so it's it we're not going to remove, we're not going to become Luddite. We're not going to remove this technology. And I, I tend to think that what remote does, it puts a magnifying glass on the good, the bad, and the ugly in an mm-hmm. organization. So the problems that you're seeing are pen, pain points and challenges. It doesn't mean you should go back in time 
and then yeah. it'll go away. Instead, you have to say like, oh, wow, this is really th these issues and these challenges are coming up for us. Like, what do we do as a solve and how can we meet a lot of people's needs? Like, how can we, you know, that's actually why in our kind of subtitle of our book, we said managing for freedom, flexibility and yeah. focus. Because managing yeah. talks about that need for control. It is real. And then that there also is this need for freedom and flexibility as mm -hmm. you know, individuals with autonomy. And so how do you deal with that friction and that paradox? Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect. I mean, yeah, I, I liked let the genie out of the bottle, and that's exactly what happened. Um, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about, you know, like get into the leadership and management in the, in the um, remote workplace. And for our listeners... Our guest today is Tamara Sanderson, and she's the co-author of the book Remote Works, Managing for Freedom, Flexibility, and Focus, uh, the ultimate playbook for managing remote teams. It is available on Amazon. She co-founded Remote Works, an organizational design and consulting firm with a mission to liberate teams from nine to five and teach them how to do their best work any place. And if you'd like to learn more about Remote Works, you can go to remoteworksbook.com. And you can also find uh, Tam on LinkedIn under Tamara Sanderson. And they have an Instagram under Remote Works Book. And Remote Works Book is also on LinkedIn. So you can check out the company. And on Facebook, Tamara is under Tamara Christine Sanderson. So please reach out to her. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, do market research. They have a learning series Thursdays at 1700 Central Europe time, and they hold conferences. And their next conference is actually next week, May 22nd to 24th in Berlin, Germany. They also have an e-learning platform for startups and it's free to founders and entrepreneurs you can get on that platform by going to www.cinda.org and with that we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back voice america is on linkedin connect with us today Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. 
Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at leadershipforuminc.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about remote work. And and we're uh, talking with... Tamara Sanderson, and she's the co-author of the book Remote Works, Managing for Freedom, Flexibility, and Focus, the ultimate playbook for managing remote teams, and this book is available on Amazon. And she's also the co-founder of Remote Works, an organizational design and consulting firm with a mission to liberate teams from nine to five and teach them how to do their best work anywhere anytime, anyplace. And along with Allie Green, Sanderson has spent a combined two decades in distributed workforces. So she certainly knows what she's talking about. So I have to laugh, Tam, because at the break, um, I just made that comment when you told the story of your dad um, that, you know, in the 90s and he was in the 80s, you know, salespeople were the only people who who really had freedom. And then all the organizations complained about him because they did. You know? so. it's, it's, a, it's like a precursor to what we're seeing today, right? There's a lot yeah, of exactly. Kind of goes to right. mm-hmm. history yeah. repeats itself. Yeah, and it goes back to that control issue. So, so let's let's move on now, okay? In your book, you talk about three non-negotiables that make 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 remote work what they are. So, can you can you talk about what your that is? Yeah. So, the first one is managers managers must lead with intentionality. Managers must build trust, and managers must respect employees' autonomy. And so if you don't like those things, then just like throw remote, throw our book out of the door. <laughs> like just <laughs> don't even try remote work. Like if you're like, oh my God, I hate all of those things. And like, maybe it's not going to be for you, but I'll go. Mm-hmm. I, first of all, I think if you notice, these are all soft skills mm-hmm. and um, a lot of them require just a different way of thinking. So managers must, must lead with intentionality. You can't just expect everybody to be waiting on your beck and call Mm-hmm. for eight to 10 hours a day, right? You have to actually think through what are the outputs that you are wanting from your team? What are the deliverables? You know, what is the attention? What are your goals? You have to think harder and deeper about how to do remote work. And so I actually think remote work can be a much better way of focusing if it's done well, because you are requiring that intentionality, the second can, can we stop? Can, can we stop on that one for a minute? Because yeah. I have a question on that. Okay, because because I'm thinking when in 2019 when we went into the pandemic, I think this is where people struggled the most. Okay, and and it wasn't just companies trying to reach out to people to see if they're on 24 hours, you know, or what they're doing, but it's also you know we had a lot of burnout of. Um, People saying, oh, my God, I have to be on Zoom or I have to be online because my manager wants me. Do you think we've kind of worked our way through that now? I don't think we have, <laughs> but I think we okay. should. 
just from what I've just what I've heard, it we haven't we're we're more autonomous than we were before, but not completely, not as we're we're further along. We're we're riding on yeah. training wheels. We're not riding on a two wheeler yet. Uh, would yeah. be my okay. thought. But um, one thing I would I like to use models for this as kind of a metaphor to make it easier. What we're really moving from is kind of a high school model of managing to a college model of managing. Mm-hmm. So okay. if you remember high school, I'm thinking back to ninth grade. You know, I went from class to class to class to basketball practice after work. People never see this on Zoom, but I'm actually almost six two. <laughs> it, it's all oh, wow. screen, and so I played a lot of sports growing up. But within that, you just had butts and seats, 40 hours a week. Um, Kids were there. Teachers would come in and tell you what to do, right? So there wasn't a lot of freedom and flexibility with that model. And it's Mm -hmm. fine, right? They're 14 years old. There's a reason for it. Um, Right. But for people that went to university, I really recommend to start thinking through why there was that graduation from like a high school to a college model. And part of it mm-hmm. is because you're treating people like adults. And so when people mm-hmm. are in the corporate world, you should continue to treat them like adults. And so yeah. what a professor does is they have a syllabus. They have a reading list. They come in the first you know week of school and they tell you what are the expectations. They're being really mm-hmm. intentional. They're thinking about deliverables. What do you want your students to learn? How are you going to show that they have you know, had that knowledge, but you're not having a professor call you all the time and being like, Hey, are you in the library? Mm-hmm. Hey, who are you studying yeah. with? Hey, do you yeah. feel, do you feel isolated right now? Um, go, go meet with somebody in the class, right? The second, um, mm-hmm. you didn't have that. That's, that's not how university worked. And so sometimes I feel like we've backtracked in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it might be because you pay for school and they are paying you. So I get that the economics are different, mm-hmm. But that yep. being said, I always find it weird that, you know, you don't trust your employees to come and do work. But these are people that at home, they might be raising children. They might be taking care of elderly parents. They may have mortgages. They drive places. They're involved in their community. Mm-hmm. They do errands. I like, they pay taxes. Yeah. Like, they're people yeah. that are I, I, people. Yeah. I, I think the analogy is super, super. Okay. I just had to ask that because I, I remember just talking to people, you know, um, right in 2019 and, and, and them saying, oh my God, I feel like I have to be on all the time. And um, hopefully we're, we're getting out of that. So uh, let's move on to the second one. Second, uh, the, the second nego- non-negotiable you said, I think is trust, right? Yeah. Kind of so goes, to, goes together, right? <laughs> they definitely go together. And so I think when you do hire somebody, you need to trust that they'll be able to do the work. Mm-hmm. And so there's trust at the very beginning with that kind of like handshake of we are going to partner together. And mm-hmm. within remote books, we actually have um, a template for like a relationship kickoff to start building that trust. And then I think, you know, trust builds over time, like each moment, you know, that somebody successfully completes something or they meet expectations or you know, like they're doing their job, like the trust builds over time. And obviously there's going to be some friction because some of it is managing expectations of what is realistic in each person's mind for how things should operate. But mm-hmm. that trust that, you know, a most respectful interpretation and that you believe that this person can get that job done is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think that uh, that's something that I think is with the intentionality and is more important in the remote. And, but of course it's always important because when you hire somebody, you have to figure out that they are, um, they, they can deliver. So, um, and then you talk about autonomy. 
Yeah. And so this is the thing that I think majorly increases with remote work is that Mm -hmm. employees end up becoming their own project manager. You Mm -hmm. have to manage yourself and manage your workflows and how you get things done. And so unless you really want to be, I don't know, online all the time trying to watch your employees and like, I don't know, using surveillance software and stuff like that. Which not allowed in like, here. Okay. The more you try to control, the more you feel out of control. So it's actually like a spiral. So in order to get out of that game of always feeling like you're losing control, you instead have to be like, hey, I believe this employee can get this thing done. I am trusting their autonomy. I'm going to lead with intentionality of what I expect them to do with their autonomy. But you basically you have to do that or else you're going to be in a really weird situation of being mm-hmm. frustrated all of the time. Mm-hmm. So I want to stay in that one for a minute because because that's an important one. Um, you know, you said talk about being your own project manager. Okay, I, I mean, obviously we've all you know had teams and worked with people, and there are people who are better at managing themselves than others, and there are people who have an overwhelming desire to work remotely, and then other employees that struggle with it. So if you have somebody who doesn't have a a, a natural tendency to be autonomous. How do you work with that in the, in the remote workplace? Yeah. So I think if somebody autonomy grows over time and it is building Mm -hmm. a muscle, so you're not going to want to give like people, if it's your first remote gig and you haven't really self-managed before, you're probably not going to want to immediately pack up, become a digital nomad, work at a completely different time zone and decide on a nonlinear schedule. It's Mm -hmm. it's baby steps. Right. And so Mm -hmm you might need a lot more structure throughout your day. You may need very consistent working hours. Um, Like autonomy looks different for different people of what that looks like. And so we actually, um, we interviewed um, Taylor, who's a founder of a company called Focusmate. And he actually creates these communities online to get things done in accountability. So you may actually want to have somebody that you're working with at the same time for accountability. You may want to use a co- co-working center. You may, if you're a hybrid company, you may actually want to be in the office more often, even if you're just there co-working with people. And so mm-hmm. I think that autonomy looks different for different people and where they have the capacity to flex more. And then as mm-hmm. they build that muscle, they're able to do more of it. But you still need to train. We actually offer a lot of trainings on project management and productivity, understanding your natural rhythms, how to focus, how to communicate, because it's not, it's not innate. You don't become a great remote worker overnight. It's actually a real skill. There's by, if you just mm-hmm. assume, um, it'll be, yeah. I, I mean, if you assume, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know what you, I know what you're trying to say. I mean, I, and and you know the other thing too, just from the manager point of view, real quick on this autonomy, you know the the uh, um, Tam, the hiring process has changed also. Okay, so you know when you're looking at these three um, non-negotiables and you're hiring somebody, how, how do you measure that? You just you know. Is it discussion with somebody on on how comfortable they are with autonomy or, um, you know, you have the skill set, which is the trust of they're going to do the work, but, but, you know, they may be more comfortable in a hybrid environment or in a remote environment. Um, What's your experience on that? Yeah, so I think um, a great practice, if this is possible for your organization, is to do some form of a trial. So when I worked Mm -hmm. at Automatic, we all got a mini project. We were paid 
to do it. And so um, at kind of like a nominal rate that was paid for regardless of your position, but I mm -hmm. was given a very specific project. And I think the hours have changed. I think at, when I did it, it was a 40 hour project. Um, I think it's less now because they have more employees. Mm -hmm. uh, but essentially you're asking people to produce work and seeing if they like that remote environment and all remote mm -hmm. environments look different. So I worked at Automatic. It's WordPress. It's heavy, heavy, heavy written. Like uh, mm -hmm. the founder loves blogs. I obviously like to write. I wrote a blog. So it was like a really mm -hmm. good thing for me. But if you were like, I hate writing, it would really actually be really hard for you to do that. Mm -hmm. And so within that trial process, you're actually meeting your team. So you're connecting on uh, Slack with people. You're reading through the blog posts. You are doing this project independently, but you can ask people for questions and help. And so through that trial, they're actually testing if you have those skills mm -hmm. to work remotely. And also it's a two-way thing. You like, you may realize, ah, I hate this. <laughs> I don't want to work <laughs> like this at all. And yeah. it's great because it saves everybody the time of a huge mismatch with preferences on working. And so mm -hmm. I would recommend any way that you can actually test something out. It's better than just asking questions. But if you can ask questions, I think talking a little bit about what their day-to-day -day might look like is really helpful so that they get a, a vision into what is 2 p.m. on a Tuesday actually going to look like. Because there is a lot mm -hmm. of remote kind of greenwashing right now where people say a company is remote and then you get there and it's not actually remote. Mm. And so you really want to, again, like lead with the, you know, intentionality and transparency and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. make it as obvious to people what working there will really look like. Yeah. I, that, that's a great tip on the test. Okay. Um, I, I really like that. that that's, that's, that's really super um, because I've had my own experience with a couple things that didn't work and, um, and um and then in my team now, I have a great team that works remotely. So uh, that, I, I should have done the tests to begin with because then, you know, three months later, then you're like, oh, this isn't going to work. Okay. But um, anyways, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I want to um, talk about teams, okay? Because you're talking about teams and managers, okay? And, and how do you build teams in this remote environment. And for our listeners, our guest today is Tamara Sanderson, and she is the co-author of the book Remote Works, Managing for Freedom, Flexibility, and Focus, the ultimate playbook for managing remote teams. And she is the co-founder of Remote Works, an organizational design and consulting firm with a mission to liberate teams from the nine to five and teach them how to do their best work anytime anywhere. And along with Allie Green, Sanderson has spent a combined two decades in distributed workplaces. Uh, Green was uh, Green as the former director of people of operations at DuckDuckGo and uh, uh, Tam here as the director of strategic partnerships and corporate development at Automatic. Now, if you'd like to learn more about their company, please go to www.remoteworksbook.com. And you can also find Remote Works book on LinkedIn as a company. You can find Tam on LinkedIn under Tamara Sanderson. And Remote Works Books is also on Instagram. And Tam is under Tamara Christine Sanderson on Facebook. So please reach out to them at 
www.remoteworksbook.com, and the book is available on Amazon. This broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, do market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. They also have an e-learning platform that is free to founders and entrepreneurs that helps founders and entrepreneurs take their businesses from idea to exit. And you can access that on www.cinda.org under Cinda Institute. And they also have their next conference uh, next week, May 22nd to 24th in Berlin, Germany. So with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. If you're looking to grow your money safely, reduce taxes and market risk, enhance returns on investments, reduce cost of borrowing, and safely create positive arbitrage, look no further than your personal bank. Your personal bank, hosted by Ferentz Talf is a financial concept that strategically integrates financial tools from the banking and insurance industries to continue growth on funds even when you access them for other purposes. Your personal bank, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about the aspects of remote work, okay? And our guest today is Tamara Sanderson, and she is the co-author of the book Remote Works, Managing for Freedom, Flexibility, and Focus, the ultimate playbook for managing remote teams, and the book is available on Amazon. She's also the co-founder of Remote Works, an organizational design company and consulting firm with the mission to liberate teams from nine to five and teach them how to do their best work anytime, anywhere. And along with Allie Green, Sanderson has spent a combined two decades in distributed workforces. Green as the former director of people at DuckDuckGo and Sanderson as director of strategic partnerships and corporate development at Automatic. So um, 
Tam, uh, you know, uh, let, let's move on to teams. I mean, the most, uh, you know, so exciting in the remote workplace because, um, as you said, I'm sitting in Prague and you're sitting in Boston. You know, mm-hmm. we can have teams that that span the world, um, but it's also hard to manage because we're we're time differences, um, um, language, um, just you know, trying to, to trying to build that camaraderie. Uh, you know, what's what are your tips on managing teams remotely? Really? Yeah. So, who? Um, I think teams are great and challenging, regardless if you are in person or remote. We actually mm-hmm. started our book in the team chapter with talking about the USA Olympic basketball team, and so there was this history that for like the U S Olympics were always won by Americans because we had the NBA. Right. And so it was like a basketball mm-hmm. country. And then, um, we didn't <laughs> win. We didn't win. It like went, it went like awfully. And like, we, I think maybe we got a bronze. Um, and a lot of it was because of just team dynamics and they're ones that actually correspond to the same ones you see in, you know, virtual teams or in work mm-hmm. teams. You know, people have personality issues. You don't know how to work well with each other. Certain people want to be stars. Um, There's just all those different things and those funks of like working with people. People are complicated. We come in with a lot of history and we come in with a lot of different views on how things should work that might not be transparent to one another. So I would just say in general, teamwork is beautiful and awesome, but also can be a challenge. We do have a lot of recommendations on how to make it better. And so mm-hmm. first we use a very standard framework in our book that is called, it, it rhymes, you know, as, as frameworks, you always want them to be like, I don't know, an alliteration or something like that. So <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's forming, mm-hmm. it's storming, it mm-hmm. is norming, performing, and adjourning. And so mm-hmm. I think a couple yeah. things that would re- remind a team is that, first of all, anytime a new person comes into the team, a person leaves the team, a new manager comes in, that is essentially a new team and you are forming again. So you will go through lots of formation of a team throughout its lifespan because that one individual can really change a dynamic. And so that would Mm -hmm. be one thing I would recommend. Also that forming and storming are actual stages that need to happen. And so you can't just go immediately to this. We're performing amazingly. Even if you have star players, like the Olympic example I had, uh, Mm -hmm. they were all star players from different NBA teams, but once they came together for the U S Olympics, they did really poorly. Right. And so even if you have like stars, if they're not performing well together, there can be issues. And so storming is a very natural part of the team experience. And so I've, as somebody that's a little bit conflict resistant, I'm, I'm definitely Mm -hmm pleaser by personality. Uh, I don't love the storming phase. I find it really, really, really uncomfortable. But knowing that that is a natural form and that that actually should be happening as you are developing a team because you're sorting out like what are conflicts? What do people actually want? Like it is, you need to go through that storming period to get to that norming. And so I would say like, feel okay that there's some tension in the team. Feel okay Mm -hmm. that you can also work through it and that you don't, it doesn't mean that everything is not working or you have to go back in time or you have to change everything immediately. Mm-hmm. It is natural. And we would also mm-hmm. recommend is like, there are ways that you can create templates and 
cultures and norms that can really help this process. And so one thing we recommend is a thing called a user guide. And so I just got a bread maker and I have a little user guide that goes with my bread maker. I'm loving it. My apartment smells like fresh bread all the time. Um, (laughs) But in a similar way, if you have people on your team, you also need a user guide of how to work with them because you're not seeing as many context clues as you may see in a physical mm-hmm. office. Exactly. Also yep. in a physical office, people will naturally just kind of um, mirror each other, right? If you are, there's a lot of uh, physical cues of like, we go into a meeting room and we all act like this, or we go to the coffee sh- machine and we all act like this. And so you pick up on those things in the physical world and in yeah. the virtual world, it is harder. And so with these user like guides, you would put like, Hey, I'm Tam Sanderson. Um, you know, what time zone you work in, like what triggers you, what gets you really excited about work, what you're working on. Um, what are your pet peeves? Uh, I am a, a total night owl. So I work a lot at night. Um, you know, just what your strengths are, what you're hoping to get out of this role, what you're learning right now, anything that could be helpful to understand that person. Even if you're meeting up sometimes in person, you may want to have, I think at automatic, we had preferences on like food. So I'm a vegetarian. I would put that in there. Um, you could put on learning preferences. If you prefer learning through like written word or audio podcast, et cetera. Um, like who your family is or what you care about outside of work, hobbies, Anything like that. But if you could have like a one pager, that's kind of a cheat sheet for each person, it can make it much easier when you start working with them to be like, oh, okay, well, they're nonlinear. Oh, they really don't love a meeting first. They would much rather prefer um, a Slack message or I don't know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Then you can start working in accordance to people's desires. Another thing I would recommend is once you get to that norming performing stage, you're seeing standard operating behaviors is what we call it. But Mm -hmm. you're things that are coming through of like, this is how we're operating as a team. You know, we do a stand up every Monday or, you know, we do updates every Friday, or this is our, you know, we have two hours of similar working hours, regardless of where you're based in the world. And it is these two hours. And we know we can always schedule meetings at that time synchronously. But besides that, people are kind of more on their own, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you want to start documenting it into what we call a team charter. And so I like to remind people to think as somebody that loved I, I don't travel really anymore, but I used to be like a really, really intense traveler. I've been, to seven, I've been to 70 countries. I've been to seven continents and I've been the Czech Republic a couple of times. So no. <laughs> I love it like more like as an anthropologist, you're like recording mm-hmm. the culture that you have built as a team. So think of it like mm-hmm. you're writing a travel guide or um, a little short summary. So if somebody were to like pop into your team, so maybe somebody from another team or like you're working on a partnership with someone that they could easily understand like, Oh, these are our cultural norms. This is like the, this is what this vocabulary means that we say, or we have this like inside joke that we always run with, or, you know, we love to post photos of our dogs. That was like a client of mine that one of their culture things that came out was that like, they love sharing pet photos. So whatever it is, document it because then you're creating a team culture and people can start norming to the culture that you have set for the team. Yeah. I, I think it's a great idea. And I like the user guide a lot. I think that's a, that, that, that is so important, especially, especially in remote communication. I mean, some people, some people like to use Slack. Some people like to use WhatsApp. Some people like to use email. And when you're also in generational and cultural differences, it's the, the preferences are, are very different, you know. Even the social media preferences in Europe are different than the states, you know. So I, I think that's a that's a that's a great 
Great tip. Uh, one thing you do say in your book, okay, now you got this team, you got everybody's form, and you might need to move them forward. And you talk about there's three things that you need to manage to move the teams forward. Um, um, I think you talk about time, energy, and focus. So can you talk on that for a minute? Yeah. So this is in our getting things done chapter. And it <laughs> really was kind of the brainchild of when we were interviewing a professor at UC Berkeley that focuses a lot on managing energy and chronotypes. And so through that interview, we ended up coming up with these like three pillars of how to think about productivity in a different way. So Mm -hmm. I think historically when people think about productive, it's like get everything done on my to-do list, do things as fast as possible, Mm -hmm. do a lot of things, be busy all of the time. Right. And so we wanted to shift how people were thinking about being productive. And so I can go through each of those. So managing your time, uh, the way we think about this is through a concept called your MI, your MIPs, your most important priorities, MITs, most important tasks, sorry, not P's. And each day you think of like, what is like the one thing I really have to get done to move the needle forward? Mm -hmm. Um, Without setting those, you can often get kind of like pulled into minutia. And if I think about like a time in my life, I had just joined Google. I was 26 and I was like really, really overstimulated. And I kept getting asked to do like interview people for our team. And so the recruiters would put all this stuff on my calendar. And I just would like do whatever people told me because I had just started. And I just was yep. like, oh, I get free food. I was like very overwhelmed with the whole situation. Right. And I remember my manager being like, hey, Tam, what, what are you doing? <laughs> he was like, you have to focus on something. He was like, set a priority. And then you can say no to things that are on your calendar. And that seems so like basic, but Johan taught me that I think in, yeah, I mean, over a decade ago and I still, it really changed the entire way that I view work and how I manage my time and how I set priorities. And I remember he was so good at leaving the office. Like, like he was like, I I leave at four 30. I want to get on the bus. I want to be traffic. And he would get so much done. I was like, wow, he's a real like operator. And now (laughs) I understand why. Cause he had these like MITs and he would really get done what was important. And he wanted that boundary. Cause he, he was like, loved to cook and he had like a, a young family and he just really wanted to be you know, fully at home and fully at work. And I just Mm -hmm. really respected that. So that's kind of managing your time. Yeah. Um, The second thing is managing your energy. And this is probably the most like kind of like creative thing that we added within the productivity matrix, but not everybody has the same energy DNA. And so what we actually learned um, from Sahar, who's the professor, was that there are generally three types of biological chronotypes. And I think the person um, that came up with this one, like a, a Nobel prize for it in 2017, but you have about 20% of the population or 25% is AM shifted. You have 20% that's PM shifted. And then you have the rest, um, which is about 50% that's biphasic. So you have kind of mm-hmm. two energy peaks throughout the day, but a McKinsey study actually said that if you work during your peak hours, you can get five times as much done. And so if you really think about that, it could take you five hours to do the same task. It would take you one hour if you're not working according to your energy. And so that right there is like, you could be working at really ineffective and inefficient times for you. And that is going to totally change your output. And within that McKinsey study, they said, even though executives knew when their like prime time peak time was, they were only spending about only 5% of that was actually spent on like really meaningful, deep focus work. Yeah. And they just have kind of a manager schedule of like back-to-back meetings regardless. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so we really recommend doing a diary study and thinking of yourself as a subject. And we have um, on our website, you can find a resource guide of like how to like discover what your chronotype is, but also an energy tracker. And so if you record, you know, three to five events per day, um, we, we suggest if you have a nonlinear schedule to include like personal tasks and work tasks, and then, mm-hmm. you know, like, do you have energy, more energy or less energy afterwards? And then you can and- kind of start seeing themes of like, okay, I have an afternoon slump. This is like a horrible time for me to do really important work. Or I notice that I get actually a lot of energy working solo, or I actually get so much energy when I work at a cafe. And mm-hmm. so you can start seeing how like atmosphere and who you're working with and what time really affect and what t- type of tasks really affect your energy. And then you can start designing a, a schedule around that. And then I think that's leads to focus, right? So I yes. think that yeah, okay. So we're, we're getting towards the end of the show, Tam. So, I mean, this is really amazing. We could probably do a complete another one on this. Um, <laughs> so I just, I want to ask you, you know, uh, um, I, I like that. I like I like the time energy I never thought about, it, and I do know I have ups and downs, and then when I can focus when I'm better. Um, wrapping this all up, okay, if you had one word for, um, you know, one thing, word of advice for our listeners, um, what would that be? experiment. There's not one way to do remote work, right? Even though you'll see like a lot of listicles of like, here's the five things to do or do this. (laughs) And like, we have a lot of recommendations in our book, but actually you'll notice it feels a lot more like um, a choose your own adventure guide because we have a lot Mm -hmm. of reflection questions and quizzes and ways to see what type of archetype you are and things of that sort. Cause there's a million ways to do remote work. And even Mm -hmm. in the foreword of our book, uh, it's written by Matt Mullenweg and he's the founder of WordPress and he was the CEO that I worked for at automatic, but he says the same thing. There's a million ways to do remote work. And so you really need to start allowing your team and yourself to experiment in really small ways of changing how you work. And so rather than be like, oh, we need to change everything immediately, you can just say, hey, what if we actually just change that one synchronous meeting we do every week? Why don't we try to make it asynchronous so that we, you know, we can do it at our own schedule and we can respond later, not immediately? Or let's just try to set up a little bit of a digital house here so we can actually see where our information is. Um, Or we're not totally ready as an organization to allow everybody to work wherever they are. But what if we have, you know, here's our three or four core hours per day. We're going to start giving people some freedom around the edges. And so I think it's like baby steps of like trying things, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, and then like Mm -hmm. continuing to innovate on it and um, giving people the, the agency to try that. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's great advice um, for our listeners. So it's, it's been it's been really interesting, um, Tam. And and for our listeners, we've been talking to uh, Tamara Sanderson. She's a co-author of the book Remote Works: Managing for Freedom, Flexibility, and Focus. And the book's a great read. I definitely recommend it. I enjoyed it very much, and I enjoyed the little workbooks in it. Um, I learned something about my own habits in, by reading the book. And uh, it's available on Amazon. So please reach out and get it and you can learn more about remote works at www.remoteworksbook.com and um, remote works is also on linkedin and tamara is on linkedin under tamara sanderson and this podcast has been brought to you by cinda and you can learn more about cinda under www.cinda.org and so tam thank you very much it's been great a pleasure Thanks, Kimberly. I'm so glad I was here. It was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And for our listeners, thank you for listening. And don't forget to tune in to us each Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us, don't worry, because we are on every major podcast platform. So thank you again. And until next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.